0: Well, I'm back for the first time in almost three years. Over that time, a lot has happened. I got my BFA in History of Art and Design. I got into graduate school twice, backed out once, and moved back home to live with my parents. I can now say that I'm fully settled into my life as it currently stands with a job that is flexible and fun, though it's not exactly my chosen field, and I will be starting grad school in the fall. I just want to talk quickly about my goals for this podcast, where I want it to go, and what I want to do with it. I started this podcast so that I can share my love for amazing and powerful people, though mostly skewed in the female direction, as so many other incredible podcasts have done, such as Queen's Podcast, The Other Half Podcast, Rex Factor, and all of its offshoot podcasts included. I plan on keeping up with this podcast on a semi-regular basis, uploading when the urge strikes me, or when listeners hound me enough. But I can't promise anything that is as up to snuff as the likes of the examples I mentioned before. For one, I don't have an editor, and I have very limited experience with editing. I'm using Anchor, which I know is a controversial platform, but I think it affords the best result that I can get at the moment and if anyone listening has suggestions feel free to DM me on Instagram at queensofourpast or email me at queensofourpast at gmail.com and make clear in the subject line that it's a tech related suggestion. Second, I don't have access to microphones. You're going to hear dogs barking, you're going to hear doors closing. If I can help it I will try to cut it but I sometimes have limited time and you might hear some like that you might hear some things in the background that I can't really control and third I want to keep this as almost an essay on my thoughts on the subject that I'm talking about while also giving the facts I want this to be informal and fun while also maintaining a layer of professionalism that will probably go out the window as soon as I have a friend on the podcast <laughs> I want to talk about tv shows and movies and I want to bust corset myths through historical fashion. However, I think I can do that by living by the mantra of this podcast, anybody can be a queen. So with that, let's get into the topic of today's episode, my review of the book Isabella the Warrior Queen by Kirsten Downey. First, I want to say that this wasn't my type of book from the get-go. Kirsten Downey has a journalistic background and I usually don't enjoy historical nonfiction with this type of author. Eleanor Herman. That doesn't mean I think that journalists make bad authors. Their profession predisposes them to being good writers and cultivates them to be so. Historians, at least the ethical ones, spend their whole careers interpreting primary sources and take care to present the facts with as little modern bias as possible. And I believe that there is a large percentage of journalists that come from an us versus them angle. And I think this book is no exception. Uh, to keep track of my thoughts in the book, I made a pros and cons list, so I'm going to do the pros first, because it's shorter. <laughs> the book is easy to read. I think Downey wanted to write a book that she could throw at her friends and get them interested in her own fascinations in history, which I completely understand. I do that all the time to my friends. My friends can attest that I inflict that pain upon them, and I also want to incorporate that aspect into the future of this podcast. So this aspect of how the book is written I wholeheartedly enjoy especially in the first part when it's about Isabel's younger years when she was a child and her brother Enrique was the king and how he interacted with her. On that topic I enjoy hearing about Isabel's Isabel's personal life, which is typical because I love hearing about the intricacies of family life. When Donnie writes about the two or three years where Isabel lost her son Juan and his child and then lost her daughter Isabel and her grandson Miguel, I can completely empathize with that terrible amount of loss even though I've never experienced that in such a short period. And I wish there was more of that in the book to humanize her. Downey also pretty effortlessly summarizes how Columbus was a pile of shit. Now to the cons, and they are numerous. So I'm going to talk about them on an ascending scale of problematic. I actually didn't know this, but apparently Isabel was very close to being engaged and marrying Edward IV of England, when he married Elizabeth Woodville and messed up Anglo Spanish relations for a while. But the way Downey talks about Elizabeth Woodville as if she were this harpy slut who stole Isabel's man to destroy the kingdom. I think Downey was trying to present it like this is how Isabel felt about the situation, but it is oddly catty and left a weird taste in my mouth over people who have been dead for over 500 years. <laughs> I also get passionate about my personal faves from history and those who I don't like, and I assume that Downey loves Isabel and that's her personal fave, but I really don't think Elizabeth deserves the rampant passive aggression. This is from pages 48 and 49. Unbeknownst to the king's counselors who were negotiating Edward's marriage prospects in both France and Spain, King Edward had already impulsively married a comely widow, Elizabeth Woodville. She was one of the few women who had successfully resisted his blandishments, and in a fever, he chose a marriage to obtain lawfully what he could not obtain by courtship. They wed in a furtive ceremony on April thirtieth, fourteen sixty four at the home of friends in, at the home of friends of her family, with only a handful of people in attendance. Edward must have regretted the elopement almost instantly because he sought to conceal the matter for the next six months, even his friends were not informed um what <laughs> I, I, I think that's just a little weird to write it like that. It's also written later. Quick to take offense and reluctant to forgive. She was also a member of the Lancaster clan. Enemies to, enemies to the Yorks. And to please his wife, Edward was forced to find posts at court for her two children from her first marriage, five brothers, and seven unmarried sisters. So, what I don't like about that is that it's very biased. We don't know, personally, what... Edward felt about that I don't have like a any huge attachment to her but I just I just think it's weird next she says the princes of the tower or princes in the tower I have heard it both ways were killed by quote-unquote persons unknown no History has widely accepted that Richard III probably had those boys killed. No one else would have had the same opportunity that Dicky III had, and Occam's razor definitely applies here. The fact that there are Richard III truthers out there trying to rewrite history, saying that he was actually a pretty good guy and that Shakespeare was the one who villainized him, like he couldn't have done that himself, is baffling to me. I know I'm gonna get heat for saying this, but there's nothing that can convince me that he didn't have them executed. So from here on out, the audio might be a little bit different because I had to take a break, but I'm gonna continue on like this and see how it sounds. So from here on out, the issues I have with the book are very serious and I will do my best to address them in a manner that is respectful. If you don't want to hear me talk about some very upsetting topics such as xenophobia, anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim attitudes, colonization, and sexism, then I suggest you check out here and I'll see you next time. Such as with Elizabeth Woodville, I believe Downey tries to present these topics from the point of view of Isabel, but you might not want to come from the point of view of someone who causes irreparable trauma to so many cultures, even if she had the quote-unquote best of intentions, which Downey makes exceedingly clear constantly. The manner with which she presents the native peoples of the Caribbean is stereotypical of most white people who don't have the time to get into the intricacies of entire cultures that were annihilated by their ancestors. They are either presented as warlike and cannibalistic or simple good-natured people who just want to help the European colonizers learn how to plant corn. Not literally, but the same energy. She compares the tribes of the Caribbean to China and India to show how wrong people back in Spain knew Columbus was because obviously they are vastly different cultures and Columbus couldn't see past the end of his goddamn nose. But she ends up saying that the native peoples weren't sophisticated or well-developed. The statement is obviously wrong for so many reasons, least of which is that those are very general terms up to interpretation, especially since she then discusses syphilis and that it was transmitted from the native women to the European colonizers who raped and captured them into sexual slavery, but that the Caribbean people knew how to treat it. How could a culture that knows how to cure a disease that basically melts your brain be unsophisticated? I'm just gonna leave that question there hanging. For someone else to pick from the tree an answer. She does hold the colonizers accountable though for the rape and murder of entire peoples which is more than I can say of any history class or history book I read or attended in middle or high school. However it still feels like an emotional flatline when the topic is discussed at a time where it is appropriate to have a bit of feeling creep into your writing. Now I want to discuss the Spanish Inquisition and Downey's rationalization of the subject. I now realize I knew next to nothing about this topic and I am planning on reading further about the subject because I feel that I need a better understanding before I write off everything that Downey wrote about it. However, I definitely have some things to say. First, Downey makes it clear that Isabel had plenty of close friends and supporters that were practicing Jews or conversos. Conversos are people who had converted to Catholicism in the last few generations before Isabel's reign. These statements, to me, come off like the argument, I'm not racist, I have black friends, as if you still can't hold racist ideologies against those who you don't know. Secondly, the author downplays the scope of the Inquisition. According to more contemporary research, it was much smaller in scale, but that hardly excuses Isabel's actions against people that she supposedly considered to be friends and confidants. Downey also writes that it started out merely to ensure that conversos were true in their Christian practice, but spiraled out of Isabel's control. Bullshit. Bullshit. Downey portrays Isabel as a strong, no shit taking boss bitch, and when she does something like this, it's because she was helpless and vulnerable to suggestion by the church. Nope, I don't buy it. Otherwise, her daughter Isabel, who was practically raised by her mother, wouldn't have blamed the Jews and Muslim populations in Portugal for her husband dying. There's underlying contempt there. That idea does not just pop into your head. That doesn't mean she was always strong or never vulnerable, but I think it's very convenient that Downey portrays her as so strong and then at one of the biggest mistakes of her life, I think, it's because she was vulnerable and not because it was her mistake. At times, Downey even says that there was just cause for concern, saying that people pretended to be Christian Like that's a good excuse to burn people at the stake or enforce a migration of people that have been there for thousands of years, including those who Isabel knew personally. Downey also writes that secret Jews overtook a monastery and hoarded money while pretending to be monks, like the Catholic Church doesn't hoard money to this goddamn day. Lastly, this quote on page 212, there does not appear to be any evidence that Isabella was anti-Semitic. I'm going to put out there that the entirety of the Spanish Inquisition is enough evidence to the contrary. So now we come to what is 100% the most problematic part of this whole book. Downey's portrayal of the Muslim population in Spain. Which really is Downey's portrayal of the entire Muslim population of the world, past, present, and future. They are written as the true evil, the ultimate subjugator, and constant threat to the very existence of good white Christian ideals. We're forced into is concerning and very much reminds me of how many white women are taught to fear men of color. She even discusses how jealous the Muslim first wives of these men must have been to be cast aside by these beautiful white women. She also discusses at length how oppressed the women of the Muslim faith were and how they were forced to wear burqas in the hot Spanish sun, and I wonder if she knows literally anything about Islam. I'm not saying that this didn't happen, because it definitely did. If you want to hear about a particularly fascinating concubine or sex slave, go listen to Queen's podcast episode about Roxelina. However, to me, these comparisons are useless because this is a white woman comparing a white Christian society to a Muslim society, likely without asking her non-existent Muslim friends what they think about her argument. Near the end of the book, Downey discusses slavery in the Muslim world more intricately than just the sex slavery that women were subjugated to. She says without outright saying it, that since white Christian Europeans were nicer to their slaves than Muslim slave owners, coupled with the idea that Europe didn't rely on the slave trade as a large portion of the economy at the time, that makes Europeans superior to Middle Easterners. Like, I don't think the slaves of both cultures did much debating. I'm sure they would have much rather been free. Also, she doesn't take into consideration that the Europeans went on to have the largest slave trade in the world, as well as one of the longest lasting. The point is, both cultures and religions did absolutely horrible shit, and I think we should be able to discuss it without comparing them. I didn't realize I had this much anger towards this book, but I think my subconscious was like, girl, you need to just get it out. I just have a few more things to say about it, and then I'll get to my final thoughts, which is really short. One, I believe that Downey placed too much emphasis on Isabel's connection to the Borgias, or Borgias, or Borgias, whatever you wanna call them, for it to warrant two chapters on the subject. I feel like it didn't really go anywhere. The first chapter could definitely have been made into a page or two of explanation. And the second was actually boring to me. I felt like it was a waste of time. And I wanted to hear much more about Isabel's personal life and how her warlike attitude affected her children. Because she does talk about how her children were always on campaign with her Going everywhere with her. These children were constantly moving, like army brats today, where every few years they'll move, but even more constantly than that. Like it was, we only have a few weeks here, a few weeks there, maybe a month here, because they need to move. (laughs) And then I have this last thing that I wrote that I think kind of sums up my feelings on it without getting into my final thoughts. Uh, I said, this feels like a book written for a white audience to feel good about colonization. Make of that what you will. So my final thoughts. This book exhausted me by the last few chapters. I just didn't want to read it anymore. I was so excited to read about Isabel and her life. When I was a kid I had these books The Royal Diaries. I'm pretty sure I've talked about them before and I love them and Isabel was always really fascinating to me and when I found this book I was like great now I can learn more about her later in life. And I was so disappointed because this one focused on such weird topics in the middle of talking about her life. It was not well formatted overall. It was an easy read, but I was frankly tired of hearing about Isabel as this pseudo martyr who just was trying to do what she thought was right. I do think that most people do what they think is right, but we don't have to defend them. So that's my review of Isabella the Warrior Queen by Kirsten Downey. I hope you liked it and I hope you can hear my cat playing with her bell toy in the background. But let me know what you thought about the episode by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. This podcast is available on most pod streaming services. And if you want to get in touch with me through Insta, you can find me at Queens of Our Past and through email at queensofourpast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Until next time, remember anybody can be a queen. Bye. Oh, Georgia.